Welcome everybody to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham Deweese and back with me once again are Robert, the SoCal Seahawk English, Matthew, that damn dirty duck, Paige, Brian, the Soul Man Solak, and a little bit later on in the show, Richard, the Ram Michelson, and we're here talking Seahawks. We're talking the Sounders, and we're going to also talk a little bit about the firing of Jimmy Lake at the end of the show here. All right, let's go ahead and start with the Seahawks. Welcome back, everybody. It's uh, uh, it's a scenario where I might have to do an on-air apology trying to get you guys excited. Actually, no, I'm not going to apologize because I did not succeed in getting you guys excited that Russell Wilson <laughs> is coming back, and I look like the darn fool for having hope. Why am I a fool for having f- hope, guys? <laughs> well, because you're, I, a, you're yeah. a uh, well, sorry, you're you're a uh, Seattle sports fan. You you should know better. <laughs> there's there's some fat there's some truth to that. Seattle sports, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Not not so much recently with the Seahawks, but certainly with like the Sonics and the Mariners and, you know, in my, back in my heyday of Seattle sports fanhood. But, uh, you know, I think we were we were trying, like, I think I, I said it like this, we were trying to temper our excitement, were we not? I mean, Russell out of the game for a month. I mean, was he going to come back in and be a world beater? It was not my expectation. And it looked very much to me like um, he probably should have waited at least another week. Uh, we could have we could have we could have stuck Gio, uh, Gino out there and scored zero points, you know. So, um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was it, it was frustrating. It was frustrating to watch. I'd make the argument Gino might have scored us at least a field goal. Right. I mean, not like kicked the field goal, but I mean, he would have got, got us, us, got in, us position. in position. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think he was back a little too early. Uh, he, he obviously wasn't in rhythm with everyone and he didn't seem quite hundred percent accurate like he normally was you know is and and yeah i mean he was it was he was shaking rust off um i'm not concerned long term but you know it we shouldn't have we, sh- we probably shouldn't have rushed him back quite so fast we say that now though we're we're all talking last week about how we we're gonna st- win on sunday and start a five game winning streak i mean we 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 we, we? wait well i there, there I was said the I said we're gonna lose. I don't remember what you said. <laughs> I, I remember there was the caveat that if it didn't start this week or last week, it was gonna start this coming week. Okay, well let's identify let, let's identify <laughs> this we thing. Uh because if wait, if Solak didn't say it, it wasn't me. If Matt didn't say it, if I didn't say it, who said it let's 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 not worry about the particulars here you know uh you know it's not, not a blame it's, game here yeah you know that's not that's not what's important here okay what's important here is that we're all seahawk fans and want to see our team succeed you know we don't need to d- d- determine who said what and when they said it and all that kind of stuff um you know the reality of it is you know the the, the important thing to remember is it not that uh, we're still only what a, a game out of uh, a game out of the seventh seed and and, and you know, the, the, there's a lot of football to be played, right? That's and that was most important. No, Abraham that, Luis. that that is a that is a very important factor. This thing has not slipped away from us. There is a heavily limping Cardinals team that we thought was going uh, that had already punched their ticket to the Super Bowl. Uh, that's coming in here, and they're not looking good at all. Um, and it, it, we're not even halfway. Are we? About, we're about halfway through the season, right? Yeah. And things can change on a whim and uh you know we've already seen in two games what this is a much better defense than it was three weeks ago right 
Well, our defense is much better is in terms of points. Now, you know, the yards is, is in a whole nother story. Right. But, you know, and, and whereas the points are what matters, um, there is at the very least an indirect correlation, if not a direct correlation to, to yards and points. I mean, if you figure every hundred yards, you know, or so you, you're, there should be a three or a six on the, on the, on the scoreboard. Right. So yeah. if you're giving up hundreds and hundreds of yards, uh, there's going to be some points in there. So, um, uh, you know, but, but that being said, you know, we are playing well in the, in the green or the red zone, depending on where you, uh, where you're, where you're from. Um, and that's what, that's what matters. I mean, holding Aaron Rodgers to, you know, three points for the better part of the game until late, um, you know, that, that was great. We had the opportunity, our defense kept us in that game all the way up until the end. And we just hadn't, we had no support on the offensive, offensive side of the ball. Right on. Um, I want, I want to go to Solak or to Matt, uh, the defense, I, I got to stay on this topic of defense because I, I feel like, and Matt, I was messaging the hell up, you know, out of, <laughs> out of your phone because I, I thought like, my God, they've kept us. It's a three, nothing game. Isn't that all we could ask? I made the mistake of watching the game about 10 minutes on time delay. And uh, I had like 87 text messages when I, when I got <laughs> back up. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, yes, they were improved. Uh, you know, we, we didn't have players confused as to where they should be anymore. I think that's the biggest change. Like uh, the players have learned the adjustments that that Ken Norton obviously implemented uh, earlier this year, and and so we didn't have Jamal Adams randomly like going, oh wait, was I supposed to be back there, or was I supposed to be over the right? You know, people knew where they were supposed to be, and it, and and as a result, we looked like a competent defense. Are there still issues? Absolutely, uh, we're still not getting to the quarterback. We're still not seeing any push up the middle, um, and I, you know, I mean, I'm still not. 100% confident in our secondary. Um I do I do have to say I like this Trey, Trey Brown over uh the Trey Flowers. Uh I think it's he tra- he's an upgrade in Trey. Uh but uh yeah, I mean, I think I think it's more of a there was some changes done earlier this season. It confused the heck out of all the players and they finally know what they're supposed to be, what they're where they're supposed to be and it and it so it's looking better. Yes, we're 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 doing better. We're doing good from a scoring standpoint, and really, that's all that matters. I mean, yardage is an indicator, but realistically, yard you know points are all that matters. The W is all that matters. So, right know, on from a scoring defense, we're doing I, okay. I definitely, I, I, I definitely agree with you there, uh, Soul Man. The came out this week that DK Metcalf apologized to everybody, um, and he says, "I need to be more grown up." Uh, is the, is this um, it, is this real, or is this just a is this just what the uh, uh, you know the PR guy told him to say? <laughs> um, I, I believe it's real. When I wrote the our pre-show notes that I sent out to everybody earlier on my end, um, I, I thought he's being a diva, but I really think he 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 feels sincere. He's I mean he's a very passionate at his job and. And, and he realized he, he effed up. And I think finally, I, what words I'm trying to say, uh, he, he realizes he screwed up. And I think he's, we're going to see a different DK Metcalf come, moving forward. I think 
uh, Pete Carroll and Wagner and all those guys finally made him realize, I mean, that he needs to grow up. I mean, he even said he, he, he sometimes forgets that he's 23 years old, but he knows he's screwed up one too many times. And if we're going to win, he needs to be a part of that and not go out and drop two passes or get these personal fouls. And I, I, it was a very sincere press conference today. I, I totally believe that he will turn it around. Anybody else buying it? Honestly, I, I got to be honest. I don't know. I think I'm selling it. Um, this is this is twice now that he's mm. that he's you know, you know, to put it into words, you know, he's put something out in print and then had to print and then, and then had to retract. And um, and you know, the first time was with with Shannon Sharp, you know, and um, you know, and then he retracted. And then now he when he go out there and acts a, acts a complete, you know, you know horse on the field and then now he's retracting again and um as far as i'm concerned this is um this this is this is a trend this is this is repetition and and i, I think i said last week after watching him act like a complete ass out there i was like you know what um i think this is who our, i think this is who he is uh, i don't know if it was always him. i don't know if, i don't know if this was him at Ole miss but it certainly is him in seattle and um i think that difficulties on the football field are going to bring this out of him. I think he's showing us who he is and, you know, maybe hopefully it's not going to, I have hope that it's not going to turn into a huge problem where he literally becomes that guy that we just hate to even talk about or hate to see. But um, I think frustration um, uh, is worn on his sleeve. Um, and, you know, just like his crazy hair, you know, he's a little bit crazy, you know, he, he, he wears it all, he, he hang, lets it all hang out. And the only way to get that to, to, you know, to taper down, to taper off is to win. I think, I think, um, the issues that we're having are going to bring it out of him and, you know, not catching the football, not getting the ball thrown his way as a young guy, maybe in years to come, he'll be able to, to curb this, but I think this is who he is right now. And it's, and it's, and it's, um, it's disquieting. It's unnerving. Is there, Matt, is there nobody on the team? I mean, Solak is mentioning that uh, there probably are people on the team who are keeping him in place. Uh, I'm kind of more on Rob's side. I, I I think he's running around unfettered and is not being told um, to keep it to keep it under control. Uh, is there a finger to point at either coaches or leadership on the team? Well, I mean, you know, he's an adult. He's responsible for his own actions. He's a professional. He's got to act at a professional level. Um, I think I, I will agree. I agree with Rob. He, this is who he is. This is, this is, he plays very passionately. He plays, you know, everything is, everything is brought in. He, he's going to run with high, high and low of the motions on the field. I think they can take steps to keep the phone away from him for social media stuff. But I think on the field, we're going to continue to see, you know, he's out there playing with, with his passion with, with, you know, it's who he is and, and yeah, he's got some growing up to do, but uh, you know, at the same time, I mean, that passion is what drives him and what makes him such a great receiver. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I, I think we can kind of put up with the on the field occasional things we got, you know, we got to get him restrained a little bit maybe, maybe have a, yeah, like you said, have somebody have a coach or, or uh, like you know Tyler Lockett go over and grab him or something like that and yell <laughs> at him uh, every now and then. But I think I think we kind of got to take the good with the bad to be honest. Okay, uh, one big thing that we noticed from the game going back to the defensive side of the ball is that while our defense did a great job in the first uh, three and a half quarters, 
we got eaten up by the screen. There was a big article this week by Bob Candota in the Times stating that uh, KJ Wright wouldn't have let this happen. <laughs> um, neat, but <laughs> I personally don't think that it's fair to go back and say, well, a guy who played last year would have, would have prevented this because, well, we didn't have the money for that guy. Um, is that a fair criticism that we didn't either coach up, uh, the existing linebackers to do a better job? Is it a fair criticism that we didn't go get somebody or keep KJ Wright? What do you guys think? I actually, actually, um, uh, saw that, um, or heard, I think it was Pete talking about it, um, in the, in the presser, I think there, the, the criticism was on Jordan Brooks, um, mm-hmm. who would be at that position. Um, is Jordan, yeah, Jordan Brooks. Yeah, right? it was, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And so, and there's, and there, he, he actually mentioned, you know, we need uh, Jordan, Jordan playing great. Uh, I wish he was able to see those screens a bit better. Is it something to that effect? And I was like, well, <laughs> you know, right? I mean, not, not so much about the KJ Wright part, but I mean, you know, for three quarters, again, the defense played great, you know, but when you spend, you know, 75% of the time on the field, those type of things that are, that are designed to beat you when you, when you're, when you're all beaten down and worn out after a game, those, 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 those plays are for, you know, you're going to, you're going to um, get caught on those. And so I don't know that really it's about um, anybody needing to see the play better. The screenplay was, it, it was a good play calling. It was, it was a good offensive scheme uh, late in the game um, in a, in a, you know, in a, a game that was, that was hard fought for, you know, for the better part of four quarters. So um, I don't know necessarily, I necessarily agree with, you know, well, we should have had KJ Wright still. I, I don't, I don't like that at all. All right. Solak. Tell me about Le'Veon Bell. You're the you're you're the big Le'Veon Bell fanatic, right? Whereas Matt hates him. Uh, is Le'Veon Bell going to save us, Solak? Are you are you for, Le'Veon Bell just got cut? Do you mean somebody else? He just got cut from. <laughs> Do you mean George Bell, the fa- the former Toronto Blue Jay? No, 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 no. There was a little chat string that we had uh, going. Yeah, and Matt's, our, our argument earlier. This yeah, week. Matt was saying absolutely not to Le'Veon Bell. I'm just curious, uh, is there anything in this guy uh, that you guys see? Matt, I'll let you do the rebuttal. I'm just curious if... Um, <laughs> It sounds like so. Like you're, you're not impressed by him either. Then no, no, I don't. Okay. he's not going to help our team. No. Rob, Rob, are you impressed by Le'Veon? Le'Veon Bell would not fit. Uh, we I don't know that a finesse back is going to succeed at all in our scheme. We got to have a guy who can hit the hole, you know, and go go north and south hard. Um, I don't know that a finesse back like Le'Veon Bell would do anything but just get tackled behind the line of scrimmage. I don't think our <laughs> line is built for that kind of running. Sorry, Matt. I was trying to find somebody for you to did argue I, with. Nobody's going to argue I, with you. Did I miss one. something? Are we rumored to sign him or something? I, yeah, it's you know. standard standard Twitter rumor. Oh, okay. Up, All right. Yeah. No. Uh, like he's available and these teams might be good fits. No. That kind of thing. No, <laughs> no. Walk away. Um, so, no. Sorry, Matt. There's nobody for you to argue with on this one. Uh, well, no. I mean, the, argument, the argument was what happened to him. And, and I thought he was, you know, Solak was saying, oh, I thought he was amazing. And what the hell? He dropped off the face of the planet. The reality is he was a product of the Pittsburgh system. That's it. They swapped him out. He went to New York and 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 disappeared. And they swapped in James Conner and he was amazing for a year. And then they swapped him out for another guy. And, and you know, they just they it's a system. So is Le'Veon there... Bell is overrated. Yeah. Um, we're all in agreement there. Uh let me throw this out to anybody who wants to answer this one. And that is uh 
is this Dwayne Brown injury a bigger disaster than we thought it was going to be? I mean, I thought maybe the offensive line could struggle along with Wilson coming back, but we're getting beat. We're getting beat on the offensive line. Field goals actually has a really good article. They're a great blog, Seattle blog, Seahawks blog, for those who don't know. Um, they're the ones who saw that Afedi was giving away our plays uh, before our coaches did. Um, so they're, they're, they're a pretty great source. They actually had a great idea of, uh, did we, are we playing our guards on the wrong side? Because of Damian Lewis is really struggling on the left. Should Gabe Jackson, Jackson be on the left? might be a better fit for the left, even though he's historically played right. There was a play, specific play that got there. Damian Lewis got called for uh, uh, holding. I remember in this game where literally the defensive lineman just kind of run fell on him, like knocked him backwards on his butt and then fell on him. And somehow that was holding. Yeah. Um, I, I saw that. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about that. There, there's been a lot of complaints uh, on the socials and in the newspapers about the refs being against us. Um, I, of course, I'm always that guy that, that says, you know, um, we had plenty of chances. It doesn't matter, but, uh, well, it was kind of funky play, uh, funky, uh, um, uh, penalties out there, weren't there? And like some weird decisions on Absolutely. turnovers. The, there was that holding call. Then there was that first down that they gave us and they walked it back. Like that was like, Whoa, how, I don't know that I've ever seen that happen before. When I, when I think back, like they gave you the first down and then they just, I mean, they didn't bring out the chains. Like they, they, I mean, they, they, they gave them the first out and then they said, nope, nope, never mind. We're going to, we're going to walk it back. And they made it fourth and short. And like, and then we ended up punting. Right. So like, it was, uh, yeah, I was, uh, there was a couple calls to your point, Abe, that I thought were a little bit, um, hometownish. Well, they even moved the chains. Yeah. They, it wasn't, yeah, the, they moved the chains. Yeah, yeah, it, they, yeah. it was like, once you move the chains, it's like, it's done. I mean, yeah, so you can't measure. I mean, it was like okay, so you, you you're committed. So like, I mean, so like, you're no fan of the zebras. No, I was just gonna say that I think they extra suck this year. I think we have Pac-12 refs in the NFL, and <laughs> I don't think they're signaling out the Seahawks, but we are getting a lot of bad calls this year. It's just the nature of the game, and it's hard to find good help out there these days, as as the whole world knows right now, being <laughs> short-staffed and all, but. The, the refs have been extra terrible this year throughout the league. Right. Fundamentally though, I, I thought we still had shots at this game regardless. I, I, it, we did plenty of stupid things without them. And most of them mm-hmm. appeared to be on offense. We couldn't get anything going. Uh, let's start with you, Rob, Shane Waldron. You've seen, let's see, what is it? Uh, nine games now, eight games with him. What's your impressions? You know, coming out the gate, um, you know, like in, in, what was it, Indy, it was like, holy crap, this is the, the brand new Seahawks. This is amazing, right? And then, you know, slowly but surely, it seemed to, it seemed to taper off. And now we're seeing streaks of, of, of greatness and followed by, um, you know, you know some, some not so hot points as well. Um, brand new offensive coordinator a lot of the same results though um i think you got to look at personnel at this point um or overall philosophy i know i mean waldron comes in to run his offense but it's always under the it's always under the pete carroll general philosophy right um 
And so if you're not if you're gonna if you're gonna give Pete the the pass, then you've got to look at the guys in the field. And and we have we really done enough to to fix those issues? I I feel like that's kind of up in the air still. Have we really done enough for the offensive line? You know, imagine imagine Russell Wilson with just another second and a half in the pocket, or or, or another second, you know, in the pocket. Imagine what he would be able to do. Um, imagine you know some one more bruiser at the tackle position, you know, opening up a hole, you know, for Chris Carson or Alex, Alex Smith, <laughs> Alex, <laughs> Alex Collins, you know, or any, or, or any other running backs, you know, just, you know, it, it, have we done enough to fix our problems rather than trying to bandaid it or, you know, um, that's really the big question for me, but uh, uh, Waldron gets a, he, he, he gets a good grade in my, in my book. Any disagreements guys? No, I I'll, I was just going to say, I totally agree with Rob on that. I mean, you got to look at the personnel. I don't think we've done enough. And I, I, I as well give Waldron a good grade. I mean, I would give him a B plus because I think there's a lot of potential there. It's just, I don't think we have the best personnel to my, make it succeed. My question was any disagreements. I know. I, just, I had Matt, to say what I wanted to Matt, say though. <laughs> you know what I want to say real quick is what really, really just, just myths me is why I see all these other teams all the time able to run the screen yeah. and why we cannot run a screen. Like, I, I, I don't understand. When we run a screen, it, 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 it's, it's, always, it's always nipped quick. Yep. And then you see the, the other teams that they – is there, their, is there their, vertical, um, their vertical downfield you know, passing presence so much better than ours that, <clears throat> that they always have that screen open? Because every other team throws a screen pass to a running back and gets seven, eight yards on average. And here we are. We, if we get three or four, it's like, oh, okay, we weren't tackling in the backfield. Thank goodness. <laughs> well, I can <laughs> you tell know. you exactly why. Yep. It's a lot of teams that seem to blow up our screens. You'll ever notice that they have uh, – when, when our running back goes out to that side or if we stack uh, receivers to a side – they won't crash the end, the defensive end or blitzing linebacker. They'll, they'll float them out in that zone and they do a lot better job of cover. I mean, when we had KJ, right, Bob Kendota's right. He, he sniffed those out, uh, teams sniff ours out and they, we don't sniff out other teams, but I want to go back to, are there any disagreements, Matt? With Shane Waldron. If not, I, I got, I got some, I got some and I want to bring well, them up. <laughs> I, I think it's tough. It's tough to make a judgment because I, I, but really in the back of my mind, I'm wondering how much meddling is being done by Pete Carroll. That's the real problem because yeah, like, I mean, like Rob was saying in Indianapolis, we saw a whole new offense and it was, it was awesome. It was fun. It was, I didn't know what was coming next and 90, you know, 99 times out of hundred in the past, I knew, I'd know, okay, this is going to be a quick pass or this is going to be a run, you know, I, I, and sort of the defense, um, and that one completely kept me guessing and, and I enjoyed it. And I do want to say it was nice to see Gerald Everett get involved mm-hmm. finally. Um, but I'm wondering how much Pete is just holding him back. And the fact that we don't have, a, uh, you know, our number one running back. Yep. Uh, because you, you try to run a, do a run first to set up the pass kind of, kind of, uh, offense, which is what Pete, Pete wants to do. And you don't have a good running back, bad things happen. Yeah. All right. I'm going to stop asking these questions uh, because You're just uh, dictate to us. I'm just going to dictate to you guys what the real <laughs> deal is here. Here's why we're all wrong. Yeah. No. No. You guys are agreeing way too much, and nobody's taking a look at the simple fact that I don't care that Carson's out. You got what you got. You're you're an offensive coordinator. Figure it out. This guy was supposed to be the hot young 
hot young stud out there and he was gonna he's gonna do everything you're right you might be right matt because we saw with schottenheimer pete carroll was pulling the strings behind that yeah and and totally nerfed him halfway through the season but regardless uh i want to see more out of shane waldron i don't know why i do not know why and this is why you three are irritating and i just want to just grab you guys and just pull you out of why are there no passes to tj and to or and to uh uh dk tj i'm sorry tyler and okay. uh dk in the last two games targets where are the damn targets that's 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 that's, that's a good point i mean you know we what was it last the last game where there was a good like three quarters where dk didn't even get thrown at yeah um Lockett's it's been, a fair it's a Lockett's fair invisible uh and and, and let, once again I, the problem is is that pete tends to meddle with the offensive game and he shouldn't he should get he should bring in an offensive mind and just let him do what he's gonna do but he meddles he, he does meddle but i mean like why aren't they drawing up plays designed to free those guys up i see all the other teams do it all the other teams find because ways pete. even when their players are double teamed they'll do little pick and I, they're smarter than I am at football. Like they find ways to get the balls in the hands of their best players. Because Pete wants to run and he lucked into accidentally backed his way into having two receivers. What you're saying is, is accurate. Use them. What you're saying is accurate, but it's not an excuse. Um, the, the, I want to know why during the past plays we're hitting Swain and we're hitting, uh, uh, Penny, not Penny, uh, uh, heart, heart, and you're going to, you're going to tell me that you're throwing Penny heart on a one-on-one against their top corner on a deep pass. No, (laughs) absolutely not. Like, what are you crazy? That's gotta be Lockett or or Metcalf. So I know I, am not giving, I'm not giving Waldron a free press, a pass on this. So anyway, that that's, that's the way it is. <laughs> uh, uh, to be fair, I need to note that uh, Gerald Everett was targeted eight times. He caught eight times. Metcalf and Lockett were also both targeted eight times each, but Metcalf only caught three of those and Lockett only caught two. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, so what happened to them? That That is interesting, but I think you have to look at first half versus second half because, you know, we were, when you're already down 13 and nothing, you're having to air the ball out. I, I want to know where those targets are in the first half, putting the pressure on the defense. It was like, what, two weeks ago? Didn't uh, Metcalf have like a 80 yard touchdown and we never saw him for the rest of the game. That was, yeah, that was the same game. It was like three more quarters later than he finally got targeted the second time. And if you want to say this is on the players, I'll, I'll, I'll agree. If I can go that route too. If you want to say Metcalf's not working hard enough, if you know, want to say Lockett's not getting open. Cool. I, I'll take that as well. But th- there is serious problems. Uh, serious problems there. And I, that hopefully Russell gets this fixed. So what are our chances guys? Give me, give me like the spread of Kyler Murray being in versus Kyler Murray, not being in. Uh, so basically give me your prediction, but I want two predictions from each of you. You know, what, what happens if Murray plays, what happens if he doesn't start with you? So Oh, he's muted. Okay, we'll start with you, Matt. While he's uh, okay, he's coming in. Late. <laughs> I lost power oh, there for a minute. Sorry, it had re- it rebooted. Oh, all right. Well, 
Tell us your predictions. Okay. Well, if Murray's back, I think that it's going to be a high scoring game, but I, I think they'll win 38 to 34, but if Murray doesn't play, I think it's going to be more of like a 31, 17 Seahawks. Mm. Matt. So the first one is, is the, is the Cardinals winning? The first one is the Cardinals winning. If Murray plays. Yep. Okay. Okay, Matt, what do you think? Um, with, with Kyler Murray, who I have to begrudgingly admit is a real quarterback now. Um, I, I was looking over his stats. He's one of the, he's got the highest completion percentage of any regular starter in the NFL right now. And he's been doing amazing. Uh, of course it helps to have such a talented receiving core. Um, I would have to say that, yeah, that w- if he plays, uh, we'll probably lose, uh, this game, unfortunately. Uh, but I think it'll be close. I think I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 24, 21. And uh, if he doesn't play, I think we have a legit shot and uh, potentially, you know, Russell's going to be back. He's going to shake off the rust. So I think, I think um, I'll say if, if Kyler isn't in, I say we win 21, 14. All right. Final word for you, Rob. Uh, such a tough one. Um, <laughs> especially cause I've been trying to, I've been trying to pick winners with spreads the last few weeks and I've been horrible at it. Horrible at it. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Um, you know, with, with Murray in the game, I'm going to go ahead and say that he, um, you know, goes the ray of, goes the way of the, the Rustle Wilson and, uh, is, is, and has a little bit of, uh, you know, has a little bit of, um, you know, uh, dust to shake off. Um, and isn't that as much of a factor as he, as he might be, um, I would be surprised to see him uh, fumble fumble the ball once and turn and and throw one and throw a pick uh, against this uh, this great Seattle defense that we have over the last few weeks and in the in the red zone likely. Um, so good. I'm going to go ahead and say that Seattle is going to win either way, Murray or no Murray. Um, wait, hold on. This game is in Seattle, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, Seattle wins this one either way. Um, it'll be a lot less pretty. With Murray in the game, I'm gonna say I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a four point spread with uh, Murray in the game. Um, without him, uh, what's the quarterback out there in Arizona? Um, Colt McCoy. Uh, Colt, McCoy. Colt McCoy. Good old Colt McCoy. Right. There's never been um, a more Texas name. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna give us I'm gonna give us ten points. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Arizona ten points against us if Colt McCoy's playing. <laughs> So that that's that, but I'm saying, yeah, probably, probably I'll, I'll give him four with, uh, with, uh, with Murray in the game. But again, I think Murray's going to come out rusty, but either way I win for the Seahawks. I think we're all in agreement there. All right. Uh, Rob, I know you gotta, you gotta fly, but did you want to uh, give any shouts out to, uh, your social and, uh, absolutely. Yes. Well, I, so my shout out is going to be to, uh, my youngest daughter, Aubrey, she went to the, the dentist, uh, yesterday and she was a complete and total trooper. She, she had the greatest time and she was smiling and joking. And I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be terrible. You know, <laughs> you know, no, so she was all about it. So, so, uh, big ups to, uh, to Aubrey. Um, and yeah, check out the, uh, you know, check out uh short yardage on, um, what am I on? Podbean, Spotify, <laughs> Apple podcast, um, and, uh, Twitter, uh, at underscore no what am i rob underscore english 13 there you go. I, it's, like, it's like your own phone number you know like no, I'll never you don't tweet yourself number. yeah exactly right. <laughs> google myself <laughs> well thank you rob for joining us uh I'm, I'm ready for the five game win streak and yeah, uh we're, we're ready for that yes and, and rashad it. penny right he's this is this is the game he starts 
uh, well, I, uh, so about, so, I mean, well, um, what happened was, <laughs> <laughs> so let's table, table the Rashad Penny conversation for a moment, but I guarantee that the Seattle Seahawks start their winning streak this Sunday. All right. Okay. Perfect. All right. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Later, guys. See ya. That was Rob of the SoCal Seahawk. And uh, we're bringing on our sounder expert, Richard the Ram Michelson on here. Hello, Rich. How's it going? It's going good. How are you guys doing today? Uh, We're doing well. We're doing well. Uh, We we know that the uh, MLS playoffs are coming up. But before we get to the MLS playoffs, we want to just... Talk about next week, what's happening on this show. We are getting Mike, the gas man, Gastineau. Um, he was a former KJR host and, uh, Brian, I think he's still a host up in Everett. If I remember right, um, on their local radio, I forget which channel Brian will let us know in a minute here. Um, but yeah, we'll have him on and he'll talk a little sounders and Huskies, but let's start with the Huskies first. Uh, wanted to talk rich. You wanted to just mention something about the recent, firing of Jimmy Lake. Well, not firing of Jimmy Lake. It was a mutually understood deep departure or something of, okay. you know, something so the, of- the most, most like 95% of the time that is a complete and utter fiasco and lie. Um, it's a firing. Um, uh, my guess is that you didn't pay him his full payout, but gave him something in the middle and said hey we won't like completely throw you under the bus and say you're the worst person ever and we hate your guts and you know you beat baby seals um but this is this is an a pretty big disaster of a hire ultimately okay well before you get to the disaster of a hire was it a disaster of a fire or was it the right thing to do um the the answer is nobody really knows that's not in the athletic department in at Washington is really the, really the thing. It, but from the rumors and the speculation and the, the, the stories that have kind of been semi leaked out there, it sounds like the relationship between the athletic department and uh, Jimmy Lake had deteriorated over time. And this was uh, maybe a subtext or maybe the athletic department taking opportunity to say, well, maybe he isn't who we thought he was. Maybe he is not cut out to be a head man at the program we want to be, which is UW envisions itself as USC North. So what I agree with you. Um, what I saw though was of, from recent uh, articles is that um, Jimmy Lake, they wanted a Chris Peterson Jr. And that's what they thought they were buying, but they got a, they got something different. Uh, they wanted Jimmy Lake to check with, check with Chris Peterson, who's the senior advisor for athletics at uh, UW. They wanted him to check in with him for a lot of stuff. Um, He never did. Uh, They wanted him to be in front of the donors and schmoozing, which he didn't do. Um, So forget the on the field stuff. Uh, That seems like a recipe for disaster. Uh, Now knowing that with the hindsight, yeah, I can kind of see why things turned out the way they did. Uh, Matt, as a as a rabid college football fan, uh, not a Husky fan, obviously. You hate the Huskies. But if you can be uh, on the outside looking in, what does this look like? 
It was a poor hire. Uh, I think, yeah, it was a guy that who was known for his recruiting, and he struggled recently with recruiting. Um, there was the decision to hide, hire Donovan, which puzzled a lot of people. Uh, you, had known, did, you had known Donovan from Penn State, right? Penn State, and he was, I think when he then got hired, he was from um, uh, Jacksonville. He was in the NFL. Right, but he never really had success at any no, of the stops. No, <laughs> I mean, I remember when I remember reading about uh, the, him and, and, and the decision to hire him, and I went, who? And I went and looked at it, looked him up and read about him, and I'm like, you know what? I, looking at the stats of the offense, there was never anything impressive about his offenses. They never really did anything that great. And reading more about it, uh, you know, I think it stemmed from the fact that Jimmy didn't really have a good network at the college level that a lot of, a lot of head coaches, you know, wanted, you wanted, you want to have a head coach who's got some good networking. He's got some good friends and, and people he can experts, he can tap and, and, you know, people he may know in other programs that, that, you know, might be ready to be promoted and, and, and steal them and so forth. And I guess he tapped some friends who were from the NFL level and had an endorsed Donovan and Donovan, his offense was never, I mean, it was, it was incoherent to be honest. Um, so, you know, it, it was, it, what it was, is it was just, it was a, it was, it was a train wreck and, and I, I have to, I can't, I can't let the, uh, let, let it go without saying that this is uh, yet again, Oregon getting a coach fired. Yay. Now, I, I'm going to actually <laughs> jump in and, and, and I, I, I don't like Oregon. Okay, but Oregon right now in the Pac-12 is the premier program, not just because of the current ranking, but rather institutionally um, over the last 25 years. They are the premier program. They have built out all the support structure. Their floor is so how do we get higher. to the how do we get to the point on this one? Well, the instead of just telling me, instead of just making Matt happy, how do you get to the point on this ranch? The point is, is if Washington <laughs> football wants to be who Washington football thinks they are, who they aspire to be, which again is USC North or better than USC, right? Like the premier program on the West Coast, the program that butts heads with Ohio State, with Nebraska, with Texas, with Oklahoma with the powers in the SEC, if that is who Washington wants to be, they have work to do throughout the structure of the football program, the athletic department, and they need someone more than a senior advisor of football like Chris Peterson. They need like a director of football, like just think of it like the deputy director, but only for the football program, like, whatever you want to call that. Yeah, right? I, I don't, build I, that out. I'm going to have to stop you there. I don't know if that's, no, no, no that's not, no. no. I mean, okay. this is, look, this is what, they were there. What Rich, Oregon has. Rich, they were right. there four years ago. The Huskies were there four years ago. Where, where? They were the premier football team. No, in the, no, no, absolutely not. Absolutely no. not. If the, go, number no, four ranking. The absolutely not. What are you talking about? Which, which Matt knows what I'm talking about. The one in 1994. Okay. Kenny Wheaton. We all get it. Matt, rich, rich, rich. They're capable of, I know, I know the Oregon and Wazoo fan are laughing. Chris Peterson was, and that's what I'm saying. You don't need a director of operations. What you need is somebody that can, you, you need a CEO type as a head coach. And I, that's not just at Washington. That's at every school. Look at, okay, let's take your Oregon. Let's take your Oregon rich that you're so happy with now, you traitor. Um, they have crystal ball. You know what the smartest thing he did was? He put head coaches at offensive coordinator position. Yeah. 
He put guys who know football and they know college football at coordinator positions. He's a CEO. He's not, he's not sitting there doing what Jimmy Lake did, you know, trying to like coach the defensive backs when he should be managing the entire damn thing. Yeah. Jimmy Lake, Jimmy Lake was in over his head. He's not, he's not capable of doing the top job. There's no shame in that, that, you know, he's, he is a good defensive coordinator maybe. And, and that's where he should, that's where he should be. And he'll land somewhere as that someone will give him another shot. Maybe he'll go to Alabama as the, uh, the pipeline continues to, uh, uh, washed up coaches, uh, <laughs> go to Alabama, and get rehabbed. Um, but no, he, yeah, he, the thing, the thing is, is that was the, the team you're referring to a couple of years ago. Uh, that was, that was Peterson. Peterson was running the organization yeah. and he ran the, he helped run the recruiting. And the thing is, is Jimmy Lake oversaw a complete destruction. He didn't, he didn't not follow through in the recording area. There are a lot of players in the last two or three years out of out of Washington that UW should have easily gotten that, you know, got offers from other States and, and wound up leaving the state and Jimmy missed out on a lot of easy, you know, great players and didn't have the defenses that, that Peterson got him, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it was just, it's, it's a man, manage, managerial failure on all levels. And- Again. Yeah. You need that. You need that CEO who hires Matt, you brought it up. He hired Donovan. Donovan yeah. can't recruit and he can't coach at the division one level. Yeah. <laughs> like this guy offers you nothing. And that's, that's what he picked. And I think that's because at, uh, at a young 44, he doesn't know how to be a head coach. And the fact that he, the fact that he started as a D one coach, huge disservice. He should have been at Portland state or, uh, you know, or, or Fresno, Fresno or, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I think that Jimmy Lake would have been a great hire for a mid-major, you know, uh, whatever that that conference that Houston was in. I, I can't ever remember Conference Sun USA Belt? or the no, American Athletic Conference. It's or, AAC. Yeah. No, yeah, they just the actually no, they're moving to. Aren't they moving to Big Twelve? Yeah, Houston's yes. going to the Big Twelve. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, like I think it's just a, it's it's a lack of leadership, and it's. Here's the other thing. If you want Chris Peterson to be in charge, put Chris Peterson in charge of the football program. He doesn't want to though. Yeah, he's a special advisor consultant or whatever. He's not He likes a, being he, he likes being an advisor. He doesn't want to be a coach. He you know, no, he's no, not I'm not saying every coach. once in a while. He's not I'm really not the run, running coach. It. He doesn't want the day-to-day grind. Right. Which I think is fine. Put him as the CEO of the football program. He he needs he would want to have to want that. <laughs> and I'm telling you, he doesn't want that. I don't think it's necessarily that P- Peterson didn't want it. It's that Jimmy Lake didn't want him either involved because Jimmy Lake didn't, didn't reach out and, and advise mm-hmm. him. Like you said, Abraham, he, he wasn't reaching out or, or yeah, he didn't or, reach out to Peterson at all. It. Um, but yeah, he wasn't reaching out to Peterson like, like they had hoped and, and, and consulting him. And you know, I think it was, I think it was Jimmy wanted to, to stand on his own. He wanted to be Brian, the man, Brian, Brian, if you want to tell us we're all wrong, just say it. You don't I'm need to message me. But you guys keep jumping in. You're going oh, to say, go. Are you, are you right? causing problems now? Are you causing problems now? <laughs> I mean, what? there's gotta be some blame on that lady athletic director. She's the one who hired him. I mean, she's, she has an experience. Is she going to lose her job too? Jen Cohn is her name. And, yeah. um, yeah, she hired Lake. She hired the f- had, had a basketball coach who's not doing very well. Yep. There's 
some questions that need to be asked. And I mean, I believe it or not, I feel bad for University of Washington. I've hated them ever since Barbara Hedges and Rick Neuheisel, you know, <laughs> did, did their bullshit. You know, back with their. Bed. Oh yeah, that was dirty. It was dirty, and I mean, I grew up a Husky fan, and we're. Next week, when we talk to the gas man, I mean, all the book that we just read, it, there's so many memories that I that mm-hmm. I experienced. Not, that's part of the reason why I wanted to talk to him. But instead I, of I us, hate, I hate you, Deb, <laughs> but I hate what's going on for the for the you know for the program right now, just because I I used to be a fan and wow. I hope for the best. But I, I think their athletic, the AD deserves to lose her job too. Then. All right. Small I think fair enough. Uh, a, let's a let's uh dark past. <laughs> let's uh let's move on to Sounders. I know <laughs> I know so like you had some questions you wanted to ask Rich and I have some and Matt has some as well. Um so let's go ahead and get to that with our last uh, 15 minutes here. Um Sounders are floundering. They're they're not yep. soundering. Uh, they're, they they're, are. <laughs> what happened? This was a complete meltdown, Rich. No, no, no. It, it actually wasn't a, a complete meltdown. That would be what Kansas Sporting Kansas City did. They lost three straight and completely blew everything. Uh, this was a semi meltdown. Um, so then, not as bad as uh, as it could have been. Certainly not ideal. Um, but but here here is the answer: is they, the they, Sounders, lost, they lost the they lost the number one seed with what seven point a seven point lead? Um, yes, they did. That's not good. <laughs> it's not good. I'm not saying it's ideal. Like I'm not painting with rose colored glasses, um, at least right now. But I will say that basically you want to know what happened is that too many of the reserve part of the roster played too many minutes and it finally caught up with everyone. And, um, you know, the injuries caught up. Here's the thing. Last year we had three best 11 players. So all pros basically. Jordan Morris, Raul Rui Diaz, and Nico Lodero. Um, this year, I will tell you exactly how many minutes those guys played. <laughs> um, Three. No. So Raul Rui Diaz <laughs> played, only played in 26 out of uh, 34 matches. Some of that's because of international duty, but more to the point, he only played 2,100 minutes. Um the, the leader on the team played 2,600 and the next one was 2,523. So like he's up there, but he's not nearly as much as he should have been. Um, Jordan Morris is way down here with 75 because he just barely came back. He's played, I think in three games uh, or two games, excuse me. And then Nicholas Ladero played in nine matches, only totaling uh, 460 minutes. That's just not enough time on no. the field for your best players, your be- especially your best offensive players. And, um, you know, basically they just they just missed key guys. Um, the team's MVP this year has been the center uh, central midfielder, Jao Paulo, who's been kind of do everything all over the field, de- defending, passing, starting the attack, assisting, uh, putting in those harsh tackles, you know, when you need the – a little bit of bite like Ozzy Alonso used to do when he was roaming, um, you know, the pitch at, at Lumen Field. And so it's just been, it's been, the youth movement has been a wonderful thing to see, but it finally caught up with us at the tail end of the season. There's just a little bit too much. Everyone's legs are tired. Um, and 
it just yeah we just ran out of juice basically Matt, is what Matt, it boils down to matt you're gonna love matt you're gonna love this one uh because i know one of your peppies are sounders players traveling around the world and getting injured uh mm-hmm. new who rich tell me tell me about <laughs> new who going to play for his home country and now he's destroyed He's not destroyed. He's dislocated his shoulder. And the guy played with like a dislocated shoulder or a shoulder that dislocated like every, like, you know, like every half a match um, for about three years with us. He wore, used to wear this huge armor brace on his shoulder because literally his shoulder would dislocate. And it's the same, it's the same shoulder that's hurt. Um, so he's probably going to come off the bench um, on Tuesday night against uh, Real Salt Lake, but uh, he, he probably will be able to play. Um, as the head coach likes to say, he's a tough kid. Um, that's one of his catchphrases. Um, uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz went on international duty when he was semi-injured and then got re-aggravated. And um, Matt, you're, you're welcome to let me have it. Uh, but on a, on a side <laughs> note of someone that did not get injured, who did go on international duty for the very first time, one Yamar Andres uh, Andrade, or Gomez Andrade, um, who's been our best defender um, this year. He, he finally got called up by Columbia at age 29, which is really, really late. Uh, so uh, tip the cap to him for, for being outstanding um, and, and getting that opportunity. Um, here's the other good news. You like some good news? Please. We will have had more than two. Uh, it'll be like two and a half weeks of, of rest since the last game. The game will be at Lumen Field. It'll be against Real Salt Lake, who snuck in to the game. Uh, so MLS does this big decision day. They basically break it down where the Eastern Conference plays earlier and then the Western Conference plays all their games at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's like live standings. and you had, I had multiple screens up on, on that Sunday decision day. And, and like there's like four teams at the tail end that were like, they're in, they're out, they're in, they're out, they're out, they're in, they're in, they're out. And Real Salt Lake sneaks in on a last-second goal by Demir Krylock. That's just pure insanity. You want to see drama. And, um, I mean, they're in by the skin of their teeth, 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 teeth. Uh, three other teams blew, getting like knocking them out of the playoffs. Um, they are not a very good team. Um, they have lots of really good parts, but they're not, they're not, they don't fit well together. They don't have a chemistry and whatnot. Um, Lots of talent, but not um, not anything to write back about. And the other thing is they have a really, really shaky, leaky defense. That well, who who should we be who should we be watching out for? Ah, who, that's a great question. There, there are who's the three guy players to watch. Um, the, the the number one is is the money man, Demir Krylock. Um, Demir had sixteen goals and nine assists this year played 2,800 minutes um, and always seemed to come up with dramatic goals. He He's probably the best signing that Real Salt Lake has ever done. I'm not saying he's the best player ever, but the best signing because he was, he was signed originally to be a defensive midfielder to go along with their legendary defender, um, uh, Kyle Beckerman. He was supposed to be kind of his, his side-by-side partner. Instead, he's developed here into an extraordinary attacking Midfielder, very different than Nicholas Ladero, who like kind of pulls the strings and organizes everything and then hits that pass that like wiggles six different ways to find a wide open player. Uh, Demir is more of a physical, 
uh, forward type midfielder, but he can also get in and, and, and do a tackle. He's, he's incredibly talented, wonderful player, and and has a nose for the dramatic. Um, if this game is close, I worry because he has that ability to take, seize the moment and, and tip the scales when um, uh, to keep Real in a game or or to win it for them that they have no w- business winning, right? So that's a, that's player number one. Player number two. They have another maestro, not nearly as good as Nicholas Ladero in his peak, but of course Nicholas might not make it on the field for this match. He's he's hurt. Um, he keeps on having setbacks, and we can have a conversation another time. But this this might be the beginning of the end for uh, for Ladero with the Sounders. He might just have gotten too old and had too much wear and tear on him. But um, player number two is uh, Albert Rusnak. He's their attacking midfielder. Um, he, he plays centrally, but he can also play on the wing. Um, and he's just sneaky. He had 11 goals, 11 assists. Um, he's really good. He, he hits beautiful passes. He knows how to control the game and the tempo. Um, and then the third player um, is, is their excellent um, kind of do-everything defender. And uh, uh, where is he here? He uh, No, not Justin Glad. Aaron Herrera is their right back, but he's played at right back. He's played at left back. He's played at right center back. He's played at midfield. <laughs> he's played all over the place this season as Real Salt Lake has shifted formations and approaches, and he has been outstanding um, and basically doing whatever is necessary. Uh, the kid is better on the right, but he's like not ambidextrous, whatever it is that term is for your feet. He can, he can hit a beautiful ball both ways. Um, no goofy foot. Yep. But more <laughs> importantly, his brain, he, he, he knows how to find space. He's never going to get caught out too far upfield because he abandoned his post trying to make a reckless run to be the hero. He's not going to do that. He, he will pick his spots. He will wait till the sounders overextend themselves. And then he will find that gap, you know, between the sideline and the, and the center backs and draw them out and uh, probably ping the ball in either to Krylock or to uh, to Rusnak to, to to open up play. So that that is um, the three guys to watch. The one guy to watch off the bench is an absolutely insane player just because he changes the game so dramatically. His name is Anderson Julio. The guy is fast. The guy is physical. The guy is quick. He is their super sub off the bench. He uh, only played 1,000 minutes but he appeared in 30 matches, scored eight okay. goals. So he is, he's like pure offense uh, for them. So that's, that's the thing. Um, their defense is bad. Their midfield is inferior to the Sounders. The Sounders should beat them something like three to one. Okay. That, here's, um, is not necessarily Sander, what will happen. I, I, I want to ask you about assistant coach, Freddie Juarez of the Sounders. Will mm-hmm. he have a factor in us possibly winning on Tuesday? Yeah, I mean, he he was the head coach of RSL until he basically quit midseason to come on board here. Um, and he knows these players. He knows all their, their weaknesses. And, of course, they're going to be a little more motivated to try to stick it to the Sounders because of him leaving. Um, and a lot of them were really put out about him switching ships. You know, mid, you know, it's one thing to quit. It's another thing to go to a rival. And, you know, it hasn't been much of a rivalry recently um, just because the Sounders have been consistently better. But, um, you know, the early early days of the Sounders time in MLS, RSL was like 
the boogeyman number two after Los Angeles Galaxy. So I think this will be a a, a good physical battle. The, the key to the game, really, this, this is the Sounders game to win or lose. And whether they win or lose is going to be based off of two things. Is have they been able to get healthy and rested? And have they been able to regain some of that mojo and, uh, you know, uh, chemistry that they had, you know, to open the season when they went 12 games unbeaten, right? I mean, they, the mm-hmm. longest streak, tied for the longest streak in Major League Soccer history for, for you know, going without without a loss. So um, that's, a you know, the, the, the key question here. And then, uh, you know, uh, the player to watch is, uh, is going to be Jordan Morris for me okay. off the bench. Um, he, I, I have watched and rewatched his, his time on the field since he came back. He is healthy. He is fit. He can move with both feet. He's not favoring either side. Um, there were moments that he attacked from both the left and the right and the center, uh, on the field. And he, he was able to pass and shoot with both feet. Um, and he, he, he took some hard challenges and tackles and popped right up and is, is just fine. And, um, you know, for the, for, for our listeners here, he's going to look at times when he's on the field, like, like he's struggling, like he's, he's straining, like he's in pain as he moves. It's just how he runs. He's, he's a really odd guy to watch run. And then he is going to burst down the field and it is going to be a beautiful thing to watch. It's, it's as beautiful to watch as Ken Griffey Jr., patrolling center field, you know, going for a ball in the gap. And you're like, he's not going to make it. He's running too slow. And his, you know, those long strides just, you know, kind of chew up the ground and he's, he's going to easily get to a ball. He's going to easily chase down something. And, and I guarantee you there's going to be at least two times in that game that he is going to get to a ball or make a play that is going to make you go, Whoa, (laughs) right on. Now the question is, does he have enough chemistry with the other guys to make that make an impact? Can we get can we get this this team clicking like it like it was? And I don't know. I think so. I think Brian Schmetzer's a, a good enough coach. I think he's got a good enough track record. But you never know. One game series, you you bring it or you don't. Okay. No, that answers my next question. I was wanting to know your thoughts on Jordan Morris. Um, who who do we expect? I mean. Obviously, we want the Sounders to make the finals, but what's another good team that we expect to possibly make the playoffs or give the Sounders a run for their money? Well, in in, in the West, um, Colorado won. I mean, they, they edged us out by one point. They're a really good team. Um, they're built for the regular season, though, in, in a lot of ways. They, um, they, everyone performed really, really well. They had very, very few injuries the whole season. They do not have superstar power. They do not okay. have a game changer um, like Raul Rui Diaz, an assassin, you know, who has proven that he is clutch. And Raul Rui Diaz has an insane track record of the, in the playoffs, um, basically scoring a goal a game in the playoffs, which just for some reference, really good strikers, really good forwards score once every other game historically over their career. Lionel Messi, who is the best offensive player we've ever seen in soccer, uh, probably in world history, um, maybe Pele or, or Maradona give him a okay. run, but certainly in this era, he scores three quarters of a goal 
a game, which is like, and, and then he throws in some assists too. But um, Rui Diaz in the playoffs has basically scored a, a goal a game in his career with the Sounders. And um, Colorado has no one like that. Colorado does not have a top-end talent that Seattle does. So this is really a matter of can the Sounders exert the talent they have in their playoff matchups? And if they have to go on the road to Colorado, can they do it again like they did um, back in 2016 when they went on the road um, and beat the number one seed at home? Absolutely. They certainly can. Will they? Do they have enough left in the tank? I don't know. I hope so. Um, but like, it, it's hard to say. So who's your, uh, who's your pick out of the East? It's the revs. It's the revolution. They've set a, a, a an, an, again, another points, all time points record has been set. Um, and, and I would check how, how it up just quickly as a quick aside, we can have another conversation about this it's expansion era in MLS. And That's what I was going to ask. Expanding. I was going to ask, are those points fraudulent because of all the garbage teams in the East? Um, I think that they're not fraudulent because of all the garbage teams in the East, but one in particular, which is Cincinnati, <laughs> um, who has for, th- since they came into the league has won the wooden spoon, meaning the worst team. And this year, I think they had 20 points. Oh, like it's bad. Points. Like they're, yeah. they're a good, they're a good 10 points worse than the worst team in the West. And I mean, they have a beautiful stadium, a beautiful, like, they have all of the stuff off the field that you would want to have in place. They, they have insane attendance. They, st- I mean, as a, as a minor league team, um, they started selling out their stadium and that's how they got the major league <clears throat> soccer franchise. They built this beautiful stadium, just hope hosted a world cup qualifier where the United States beat Mexico um, two to nothing. Uh, that was during this international break. And so like all the, all the intangibles off the field stuff looks great the actual soccer operations are like this is a flaming dumpster fire. It's horrible. They allowed 74 goals. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're bad. They so, lost 22 games. Ouch. Yeah. I mean like the fact that all the top teams in the East got to play them three times or more, like just it's, it's cushier. And um, yeah, the, they lost, they lost the West two. was deeper. The East is better obviously at the top with the revs and I, and maybe the next couple teams there. I don't know about are that. Really I, good. I'm not a Nashville fan or. A... Oh, the, the Nashville plays terrible soccer to watch. Yeah. yeah. They basically sit in a bunker all game. And then they have this really amazing guy named Hani Mukhtar who can just like blow up defenses with like one great moment here and there. Um, and uh, I mean, Nashville has Walker Zimmerman, who's a U.S. national team player, and he's a stellar defender, and that's basically who they are. But now, um, last question for you here before uh, we got to sign out of the show here pretty soon. But um, I was just looking at the standings, and you know, Toronto, our our nemesis, um, our rival, uh, they're they're at the bottom of the table. They didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Columbus, the MLS champions last year, didn't yep. make the playoffs. Yep. This is now 11 years in a row that 13. the Sounders, 13? 13. They have never, the Sounders have never not made the playoffs. Other Correct. teams come and go. If you got like a two minute explanation why? 
it's it's leadership and it's institutional uh, building blocks. And a lot of that goes, I mean, I'm going to plug our, our, our guest uh, for our next podcast, Mike Gastineau. He really outlines it well in his book that we're going to talk about a bit, um, that the Sounders organization was built piece by piece. And it wasn't just like concocted, right? Like Cincinnati or Minnesota or whatnot. It was built in the minor leagues. Um, Adrian Hanauer, by his own admission, didn't know what he was doing when he became the general manager of the Sounders. Like he, mm-hmm. he kind of learned on the job, um, but, it, but it comes down to leadership. Like over a long period of time, you do not get excellence in an organization without leadership at the top. And I'll just, I'll just point out that like, we saw that in the Seahawks organization when Paul Allen bought the team. And we've seen a decline since Paul Allen passed away and was no longer running things. He never longer being the one to say yes or no. Right. Or I mm-hmm. want it done this way or let's do it this way. Right. Like, so because Adrian has been at the helm the whole time. Now, mind you, he had Joe Roth as the money man and as like the, the glad hander to go get sponsors and whatnot. Right. And that's kind of come and gone. But, but Adrian has been the rock of this leadership. And then along with that, Brian Schmetzer kind of cut his teeth as well at the minor league levels, came on, was assistant coach. It is built on leadership um, much more than it's built on management. It's built on the principle of finding really good people and delegating and letting them do their thing. And you look at these other organizations and they have a talent drain and they don't backfill or you get an over egotistical owner, like in Salt Lake city. So Salt Lake city, um, basically Garth Lagerway came from Salt Lake city. The guy that built Toronto when they won MLS cup with the 70 point season and won the treble and went to the, 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 the continental championship. And were like 20 minutes away from winning like that. The guy that built that team, he's since left Toronto, but he came out of RSL. I mean, there, there's just like tons and tons of talent that was in RSL that was allowed to go away because the owner was egotistical and wanted things done his way instead of, you know, like letting good people do, do their jobs. And so that's what it it boils down to. If you want, if you want long-term success, it it starts at the top and then it's, it's about building an institution and and building that up and, and filling in with talented people over time. Um, I'll just give another example. Look at Pittsburgh, uh, the Steelers. Steelers. Yeah. Well, it applies. It applies everywhere. You look at Jimmy Lake. Versus Chris yeah. Peterson, yeah. we were talking earlier. Yeah. Competent management matters everywhere. I mean, you look at the Cowboys. The Cowboys should be the number one team <laughs> in the NFL based off of revenue, based off of resources, based off of fan base. Mike McCarthy, oops. Well, no. <laughs> Jerry no, Jones. It's the owner. <laughs> it's the yeah, owner. He chose, he chose McCarthy. Well, he chose well, the no, worst. He, no, he no, chose no, the no. worst GM been, he himself. Been, he is the worst GM, yeah. <laughs> He is the worst GM. He has been interfering with football operations since since he fired Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, they haven't had a defense in thirty well, years. But, but it's but it's a long term problem. Is my point? Yeah, right. Yeah. The Steelers have kind of had their ups and downs, like every team does. But they've had what three head coaches for in forty five years? Yeah, mm-hmm. Chuck Noll. Um... Uh, Cower and Cower and Tomlin, yeah. Tomlin, yeah. Like that is a, that is a team that is built for the long term. I mean, you you look at the Packers since Holmgren took them over, right? Like same kind of a deal. So you know, 
and you can apply it to any, I mean, as much as I hate them, Astros have built, built a really solid organization, even though they're cheater McCheateries because <laughs> they've, they've, they've found talent and they've let their talent do good things in the organization. So um, that's why. Well, it's, thank, it's it starts at the top. Thank you for the two minute explanation. That's awesome. That, that ran uh, seven minutes. Like six, <laughs> <but> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, well, I want to thank you, Rich, for joining the show. We're going to do shout outs. We're at the end of our end of our time here, and Matt hates to be first. So this week, oh, I'll be first. No, I'm going to go first. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and give a shout out to Elise Woodward. Elise Woodward uh, had been on sports radio and. Uh, sideline reporter for the Huskies. Last week, she got her very first shot at play-by-play announcer for Husky football. And this week, uh, we'll be filling in once again uh, as play-by-play on the radio. Uh, Brian. Uh, sh- shout out and a breaking news. Shout out to my parents who have been season ticket holders for the Seahawks since 1976. And they give me tickets every year anyways i'm going on sunday but thank you to my parents for that and being loyal fans and breaking news danny o'neill has confirmed that he will be our, our guest at 6 p.m on december 2nd awesome awesome yeah. Sweet. rich wow <laughs> how about you rich um i i would like to to give a shout out to the uh to the seattle kraken though even though they're not very good at playing hockey at this point <laughs> um they are super entertaining i just love watching them play um it's been super fun uh just because of whatever i have with the sports package i have i get get to see a lot of their games out of uh out of area and um it's it's been fun to have another team to root for Uh, i would like them to be a lot better uh, but hopefully they're winning over uh, a lot of local fans and and uh, across the country as well so uh, also like the best logo in in hockey by far great and matt I want to give a shout out to uh, two two Rodriguez's that got added to the uh, 40-man roster today from the Mariners and and by extension got a got a uh, big pay raise because it's about like got like a $25,000 a year pay raise to be on the 40-man roster from a minor league role. Uh, Julio Julio and Alberto both were the with the uh, Sox this year. Both were amazing. And uh, they got they got added to the uh, forty man today, so they got a big raise. Congratulations to them; they deserve it. Fantastic. Well, thank you everybody for joining us this week uh, with our guest stars Ryan or Ryan Rich Ram Michelson, <laughs> Soul Cal, Rob English, that damn dirty duck, Matt Page, and Brian the Soul Man. So, like, and on behalf of everybody here, my name being Abraham Deweese, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention: check us check out all our great podcasts here on. Podbean as well. Check us out on iTunes and Spotify and check out all the great content on SeattleSportsUnion.com. We'll see you guys next time.